So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one -on -one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu. And Tara Linen loses the puck to Marshan, gets it right back. Eight seconds left. Tara Linen winds it in. Chara has it on his stick. He'll clear the zone. Two seconds left. One second left. And the Canes, time runs out on this season as the Boston Bruins will win 2-1 to one here in game number five. And they will win this best of seven series four games to one. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. And welcome to the Morning After Podcast. I am Adam Gold. It's brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you'll find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Windows, roofing, Gutter helmets, gutters, siding, windows, entry doors, storm doors, all of it. Aluminumcompany.com. They're on Hamlin Road in Durham. Well, that's a wrap. Hurricanes fall to the Boston Bruins 2-1. There were some similarities between this game and the whole series we'll get to. We will be joined by Alec Campbell in just a few minutes. Uh, Hurricanes fall in five games. Hey, baby steps. Last year, they got swept by Boston. And by the way, which was a much less even series uh, a year ago. The Hurricanes clearly could have won game four, should have won game four, fell apart late. Uh, but they were the better team in game two. And frankly, at five on five, they were the better team today. And we'll talk about all of it. But they lose the series in five games, and there are a number of reasons for that. We will get to that, uh, and then we'll take a break, and we will talk to Alec Campbell. There, you have every right to be disappointed as a Hurricanes fan, uh, but I don't believe you should be discouraged as a Hurricanes fan. Let's remember, um, after four and a half, almost five months with no hockey, we got a chance to watch the Hurricanes play, what was it, nine more games. That's good. They uh, they had the exhibition sleepwalk versus Washington. Nobody cared. Uh, then they went out and with all the nerves about playing the Rangers, absolutely crushed the Rangers. They were so much better than New York, which I thought was encouraging. And maybe in the long run, maybe came back to bite them a little bit uh, because I'm not saying it was easy because it was not easy against the Rangers. Uh, but they were significantly better than New York and New York isn't close to the Boston Bruins. And before we get into the game, two quick things about Boston. A, and I thought this going in, I thought that the round-robin 0-for-3 that Boston took was utterly meaningless. And I believe that I believe that going into the series. Still thought Carolina would win because I thought Carolina was really good. Uh, they didn't play as well. But that's on Boston. That isn't on Carolina as much as it's on Boston. We're, uh, I'm sure when we talk to Alec, we'll get into this player didn't play well, this player didn't play well, they need more from him, need more from him. But the bottom line is, 
Boston's flat out great. There's a reason they wa- they had a hundred points uh, in what sixty nine games or whatever it was. They're the President's Cup winner, and they were eight points clear of Tampa at the pause. There's a reason for that, and they are freaking awesome. Uh, Boston is a an elite skating team. Their back end, I wrote this in the preview today, their back end, everybody other than Zdeno Chara is a great skater, uh, and Chara doesn't need to because he can stand at center ice and touch both blue lines without moving because he is 6 a 1,000. Uh, and he is going to the Hall of Fame. By the, by the way, Boston's got plenty of Hall of Famers. Uh, what they didn't need was good goaltending, and they really didn't get it. Yara Halak didn't have to be good uh, because Boston's team defense was outstanding. So this was more about Boston being great than Carolina not being good enough. Uh, but tonight, I mean... What are you going to quibble with in terms of the way they played, especially five-on-five? And before we get started and go through the game, I am not going to whine about the officiating because it's not worth whining about. The Hurricanes did not lose this series or any specific game because of officiating. If you want to say, yes, Sebastian Ajo was hooked, uh, Hurricanes should have had a power play, I'm not going to argue they could have had a power play. Um... But they didn't get a power play, and then Jordan Martinuk committed a penalty. And then Boston does what Boston does. They scored on it. Uh, the last goal, that second goal, right before the end of the period, that was kind of a killer. To me, it felt like a dagger goal. Third period, I know we can, we can talk about it later, but um, I don't count anything that happened in the third period because what Boston can do, what Carolina cannot, and we, we saw this in Game 4, what Boston is capable of doing is... Oh, we got a lead? We don't have to try and score because our team defense is superior to anything you want to do. And Boston simply, in soccer, they call it parking the bus. And that's what Boston did in the third period. They parked the bus. Uh, And Carolina, by the way, in, what, uh, 14 minutes, the first 14 minutes of the third period, only had three shots on goal. Uh, They didn't apply a lot of pressure because Boston didn't allow them to. Uh, so let's get to it. We'll uh, we'll start. We started uh, with l- listening to Mike Maniscalco essentially count down the season, uh, and we'll talk about Mike. Uh, I'm sure with Alec in a little bit. Uh, but it looked pretty good. Carolina was the better team uh, in the first period, and maybe significantly so. It might have been their best period of the entire series, and I thought the second period of Game Two was outstanding. But I'm I'm not sure that. The uh, the first period of this one wasn't their best, and midway through it all, Hayden Flurry came through. Flurry now up to Martin. Martin gains the Boston zone. Back pass to Sebastian Ajo. Ajo off the board to Hayden Flurry. He scores. Hayden Flurry from the point. Flurry snapped one, and it beat Halak. I'm not sure Hayden Fleury was in the <laughs> at the point. I think he was kind of in a little bit, but that's fine. Um, that was I. I think Hayden Fleury grew up. I think Hayden Fleury grew up this season. I don't know if Hayden is a top four defenseman. I kind of felt like he played like it in the playoffs. I really do. I think Hayden Fleury was one of their best defensemen uh, of the entire playoffs. He didn't play a ton tonight. I think tonight was about. Uh, Rod going falling back into I trust this guy I trust this guy, uh, and he was leaning on what he believes to be his horses, 
uh, and Fleury has not yet arrived in that category, although I would argue that he should have because Hayden was among their most dangerous players uh, anywhere. I mean, I thought Hayden Fleury was great in the postseason, so I give him a ton of credit uh, for battling, persevering, whatever you want to call it. But uh, he developed this year, and I think Hayden Fleury is absolutely one of their top six next year. He'll be a mainstay in the lineup as long as he can stay healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if he, if given a healthy season, if Hayden played 82 next year, or however many games will be in next season, since we don't really know what next season is going to look like. That goal came at 9.35. Uh, it was a really good play. Uh, Mike pretty Mike, Mike called it pretty accurately. Martinuk brought the puck into the zone, left it for Ajo, who banked, banked it back off the boards to Fleury, who uh, drifted in a little bit and let loose with a really good wrist shot that went far side, kind of upper 90 off the inside of the post and kind of rattled around. It was definitely in. I don't know why they reviewed it, but they reviewed it. Martin Hook, after making the pass to Ajo, went to the net, but he wasn't close to Yara Halak, and he wasn't close to being in the uh, blue paint. So one uh, nothing Carolina. The only thing I would say is that Carolina didn't quite get enough out of the period. There were other chances in the period to score, and Carolina just didn't get enough out of it. Uh, in terms of you know scoring chances, at 5-on-5, five five, Carolina had 12 to Boston's 5. Uh, high danger chances, according to Natural Stat Trick, 5 to Boston's 1. Uh, and one nothing. Look, you're not deflated when you're leading the Boston Bruins after a period of hockey when you've played as well as they did, uh, but it was a period that was good enough to get more than one, and they didn't. They had some good chances. Uh, Boston blocks a ton of shots. They get in the way. Defense along the back end with Chara and uh, Carlo and McAvoy, they're big. Not They're not all big uh, because Greslick's not big and... Uh, Krug is a little guy and Connor Clifton is under six foot, but, uh, they block a ton of shots and their, their forwards are elite defensively. So it was one, nothing Carolina after, uh, after one period. And I will say that, uh, this is kind of indicative of the game, uh, especially in the first period. And this came in the first, uh, and it kind of gives you a, a picture of really to me, what this game was about for 40 minutes. Overskated by Tebow Teravainen out in front of Pasternak. He waits in. Oh, it's a huge save by Morozik. He couldn't close the glove on it, but a huge save robbing Pasternak. Back to Ajo, who skates into the slot. Teravainen hits the post. The puck is loose. The Canes dive after it. Still out. True check. He winds one right on. Somehow the puck doesn't find its way in the net. And back the other way comes Pasternak. He's got a break. In on Morozik. He loses control. Morozik with a skate save. Peter Morozik was dynamite tonight. I know there are a lot of fans that want to roast him for the second goal. And we'll talk about the second goal uh, in a little bit. And we'll talk about it later with Alec Campbell, I'm sure. Uh, but Morozik was probably Carolina's best player. And when we look back on the playoffs, and I know what Twitter is, Twitter is always looking to blame. If you think that goaltending cost Carolina anything in this in in the playoffs, in this series... You weren't paying attention. Other than game one, when Morazic was kind of bored uh, because the Rangers weren't nearly as good as the Hurricanes, and Lundqvist actually was great for the Rangers. I thought Lundqvist was uh, New York's best player in game one. 
Carolina won the goaltending battle every other game. They were better than Lundqvist and then Shesterkin in the last two games of the Rangers series. Uh, and then Morazic, Reimer, Morazic, Reimer, Morazic were better than Rask, Rask, Halak, Halak, Halak. Just flat out better. And it just didn't work out, Carolina, because Boston is obviously better than Carolina. So it's one nothing after one. Carolina, we go to the uh, the second period, and things are going along swimmingly until, uh, and I believe this is where we get to the, uh, how did they not call a penalty on, I forget who it was, uh, for hooking Sebastian Ajo. But guess what? They didn't. Um and I actually, that might have been a little bit later. I apologize for uh, for getting these things uh, confused. It was the Martinook penalty that came later. Uh, but Boston goes to the power play. Uh, it was actually Ajo in the box. What it what ended up being was it, Carolina had a scoring opportunity. They didn't convert, uh, and the uh, the perfection line went the other way. And Ajo hooked. Uh, I think it was uh, Bergeron, uh, and we'll talk about that with Alec Campbell. So Ajo's in the box. Uh, and it was kind of a fortunate bounce, but fortunate bounces happen. 35 seconds remaining in the Bruin power play. As Bergeron and the Bruins gain the Kane zone. Krug lays it to Marchand. That hits a body back to Bergeron. Deflected out in front. They score. Pinballing puck finds David Krejci, and he buries it, and we're tied at one. Bruins on the power play. It looked to me like, uh, the, like it might not have even been a great shot. Like it wasn't a, a shot that beat Mrazek. Uh, the puck just bounced around. It looked like it bounced off Pasternak right to Krejci, who, who, for my money, was Boston's best player uh, in the in the series. And Krejci had uh, eight points in five games, three goals and five assists. Uh, Marshawn was really good. He had seven points in five games. Marshawn not on the score sheet tonight. Uh, David Pasternak played two games. He had four points, a goal and three assists. Patrice Bergeron, uh, two goals and three assists in the series. And, I mean, that line is just ridiculous. And uh, so kind of an unfortunate bounce, and it's 1-1. And the real backbreaker came... Uh, at the very end of the second period. And this is where this sequence where Hurricanes fans were mad at the referees and whatever. Um, Ajo doesn't get the call. Martinuk commits a penalty. I think it was a boarding penalty right behind uh, the net. It was rough. They, I guess, officially roughing right behind. Uh, I guess it was in the offensive zone. I'm not, I don't even, my, my mind is a blur at this point. Uh, but Martinuk is off. Uh, and then. A great player made a great play. Pasternak. Now back to Krejci. Krejci to Pasternak. Pasternak fires one that Morazic has the body over the net. And from a sharp angle, they score! Patrice Bergeron catches Peter Morazic off of his skate from behind the net. And the Bruins take a 2-1 lead with three and a half seconds to go in the second period. Yeah, that was a killer... Uh, Bergeron gathered the puck behind the net and with only three, three and change left. And when he had the puck, it was probably four and change. Uh, and there really wasn't much to do. And so he just, he kind of drifted out just a little bit and he whipped it at Morazic, essentially from the goal line extended. Uh, and, uh, Peter wasn't tight to his post because he was probably expecting, 
uh, some sort of a pass out in front, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be tight to the post. Uh, and because he was loose with his coverage, it caromed off his skate or his pad and went in the net, and it was 2 nothing. And Carolina was the better team through 40 minutes, but trailed 2-1. And that is what great teams do. They take advantage of every little crack to beat you. Uh, so here are five-on-five numbers through two periods. Uh, scoring chances. We're not even talking about high danger. That can be a little bit, um, you know, eye of the beholder. Not to mention that high danger chances for one player is not necessarily a high danger chance uh, for another player. But in terms of scoring chances, Carolina had 22 to Boston's 11 through 40 minutes. 22 chances, scoring chances to 11 for Boston. Carolina was the better team. At five on five, those two power play goals, man, uh, those were killers. Uh, and I know people want to roast Morazic. That was, uh, it was not good. It was a little bit of a sleepy, uh, sleepy end of the period. Um, caught napping a little bit, but uh, that's also a great play by Bergeron, and it is what it is. Uh, but again, not Peter Morazic is not the reason they lost this game. Uh, to me, he was a reason they had a chance in this game because Boston didn't have a ton of scoring chances. Oh, but man, they had some doozies, and Morazic was dynamite. I thought in the game. So, uh, so there we are. Uh, third period. I mean, Boston does Boston things. They can play defensive hockey as well or better than any other team in the sport. Now, Dallas plays great defense. The Islanders play great defense. I'm not saying that Boston is the best defensive team. But their forwards know what to do, and they play a style. There were so many opportunities when you were watching the game in the third period, and you see the puck. It's a shot from the from the wing or the point, and uh, Halak, who was, I didn't think, great in this series at all, and the puck bounce, you know, he, he allows a rebound, and then you realize, oh, my, There are five Boston Bruins surrounding the puck. All Boston, every black jersey was around the puck. And there was nothing in white. Could Carolina have tried harder to get into the middle? I guess. But this is is what Boston does. Uh, They were absolutely tremendous. All right, uh, before we take a break and uh, bring in Alec Campbell. For the series... Boston, 5 of 19 on the power play. Go back to last year real quick. Boston was 7 of 16 on the power play. In a way, Carolina's improving, much like getting beaten in five games and not four. But when you allow 5 of 19, which is roughly 28% on the power play, when you allow 5 of 19 and you yourself are 1 for 15 with a shorthanded goal allowed, That is a recipe for disaster. You cannot be a minus five in a series and win the series. Not against a team like Boston. Not against a team that good. Uh, So this is the second year in a row where specialty teams mattered. Mattered greatly. And uh, it isn't that Carolina had a, you know, know, Carolina was top ten power play. You just can't be bad. And there were only a handful of good power plays. I thought Carolina, when they had their power plays in this series, or in this game tonight, I thought Carolina's power play wasn't bad. It was not atrocious like it has been. 
but it didn't produce any goals. And they had to produce some goals on the power play. They only had three chances on the power play, and they only had 15 for the series. Boston had a few more. Uh, Boston had 19. So, you know, on, on average, uh, you know, Boston got one more power play per game. Uh, but Carolina just wasn't good enough with the man advantage, and their penalty kill needed to be better. Were they a little bit unlucky? They were a little bit unlucky, but they also needed to be better. Um, they allowed a power play goal on average every game. The only game they did not allow a power play goal uh, was uh, actually their two games. They allowed two in the first game, none in the second, one in the third, two in the fourth, and uh, none in the uh, in the fifth. Actually, I think I had it backwards. Uh, I was going the wrong way. None in the first, two in the second, one in the third, none in the fourth, two tonight. I knew I would get it right if I just uh, kept at it. So for the postseason, Carolina 3 of 29 on the power play. Unacceptable. Their penalty kill was great against the Rangers. Spectacular against the Rangers. Didn't allow a 5-on-4 power play goal. The only power play goal they allowed it was to Artemi Panarin on a 5-on-3. And in that one, Peter Mrazek actually got his glove on the puck and nearly saved it. Uh, So Carolina's PK was great against the Rangers. Not good enough. Even close to being good enough against the Boston Bruins. Uh, and very quickly to some uh, some things that I didn't love about the uh, the series against Boston. Jacob Slavin needs to be great, and he wasn't. And he was probably still Carolina's best defenseman, unless that guy was Hayden Fleury, because I think Hayden Fleury really played well. I think Brady Shea played pretty well, but Jacob Slavin needed to be a stud. He needed to be a horse. And he just wasn't. And there were too many mistakes that Slavin made. He was on the ice for the third goal. He and Williams combined to make that mistake, the Marshawn goal in game four. Uh, Slavin uh, kind of got, you know, puck luck, puck blind rather, uh, got caught staring at the puck on uh, the first goal of the series for Boston when Marshawn hit Pasternak with Carolina having a 1 nothing lead after a Joel Edmondson goal. Uh, so it was not a great postseason or at least a great series for Jacob Slavin. Um, Carolina, again, the power play uh, wasn't very good, and I think the biggest difference between these two teams was that Boston's best players always played great. They were always noticeable. I do think tonight the Ajo, Teravon, and Martinuk line was outstanding. That, and really the stall line. The stall line dominated the first period. It was kind of weird because they were, they kept getting scoring chances, but there was no scoring to be had on that line because it's stall McGinn and Fogel. And I'm not saying that they can't score. They can all, they can all score. But, you know, nobody's surprised when those guys don't, even if you create a lot of opportunities, if they don't score, nobody's surprised. You create that same amount of opportunities if you're the Ajo line. And remember, they were playing against Bergeron, Marshawn, and Pasternak basically all night. Uh, then, if, But if they create those kind of opportunities, they probably score three goals or four goals. Uh, but Stahl, McGinn, and Fogel didn't. They didn't score any goals. Uh, but they were very good tonight. Uh, and that should not be lost on anyone. Um, but... Ajo was very good in the series. He wasn't necessarily great in the series, but he was very good. He had four assists. Tavo Teravainen was a little bit of a mixed bag, not quite what we've uh, grown accustomed to seeing with Teravainen. They missed Svechnikov. They missed Joel Edmondson. 
uh, in the series. Um, those two guys would have made a big difference against Boston. Svechnikov, uh, if he doesn't get hurt in Game 3 and is able to play in Games 4 and 5, maybe they don't lose Game 4. Um, maybe they even the series uh, and we're still playing hockey, but I think Joel Edmondson would have made a difference for this team. Uh, and I know we're going to do a, a couple of more podcasts and we're going to look ahead to next year uh, and the roster going forward. I'll just say this. I would love if they could figure out a way to keep Joel Edmondson. And, but the only way that's going to happen is if they clear salaries off the blue line uh, because they're not, they're, they are just not going to pay a lot for uh, a sixth defenseman, which is what Edmondson likely would be, although I could argue that he could be a top-four guy um, the, more, the more you play him. I mean, he was a horse for Rod Brindamore as a great penalty killer. Uh, and really a physical presence. And without him, they don't have much of a physical presence. Uh, so we'll talk about all of that, all of uh, all, a whole bunch more stuff uh, when we talk to Alec Campbell, and that's coming up in just a couple of seconds. Uh, we will take a short break. The Morning After Podcast brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina, aluminumcompany.com. They're on Hamlin Road in Durham. If it's for the exterior of your home, it's at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina, Aluminum Company. Canes fall 2-1. Bruins advance. They win the series four games to one. For the second year in a row, Carolina's in the playoffs. They haven't done that since 2001-2002. They'll make it three in a row for the first time next year. I could say that now. Isn't that that great? Uh, Here you go. All right, we'll take a short break. Alec Campbell on the other side on the Morning After Podcast. And we bring in my friend Alec Campbell, host of Stormwatch and Aftermath. Although, we did the last Stormwatch and Aftermath. I shouldn't say we. I had nothing to do with it. You did the last Stormwatch and Aftermaths of the uh, 2019-2020 season. Uh, We had four and a half months off, uh, but ultimately it came to an end in five games today. To, To me, this game was sort of a microcosm of the series in that for the, there were, uh, I think, good chunks of the game where Carolina was at least as good, maybe better, and I think Carolina was the better team, certainly at 5-on-5 five five for the better part of the game. I, I'd almost throw away the third period since Boston didn't try to do anything in the third. But for the first two periods, Carolina was the better team, I think, at 5-on-5. Five five. But it just doesn't take much for Boston to turn the game in their favor. And then once they had the lead, it was kind of over and it was a couple of power play goals. Yeah, I mean, I think the story of the game and probably the series, eh, I don't know if this is the story of the series, but the story of the game was certainly the special teams and the power play for Boston. I mean, listen, man, I know there are no moral victories in this anymore because the season's over and – it's not like we can take something and say, okay, well, that was good. Maybe they can build on it for next game or whatever. Although, we're going to have a pretty quick turnaround in the next regular season. But I, I was really impressed with the way the Hurricanes played today. I mean, I thought they were the better team. I really yeah. do. I think I think five on five, you know, I, I thought they were clearly the better team five on five. And they got beat on special teams. I mean, Boston two for four on the power play. Yep. Um, 
they they scored what five goals I think on the power play in the series five for nineteen. Um, it's, it last last year the specialty teams were the difference, and yeah. this year it was the difference again five of nineteen to one of fifteen. Yeah, I mean it was the difference again. I mean I think you could you could say that the the way Boston played and kept Carolina from their offense for a lot of the series was really the story of the game, but the power play had a lot to do with it for them. And today that was easily the story. I mean, the hurricanes had, you know, I, I love the way they came out and played. I actually thought they got to their game in the first period and the second period yeah. and even the third period. I mean, I really thought they were going to, I really thought they were going to score in the third period because just, um, just because of the way the game had gone. I mean, they, they had so many good opportunities. They had a lot of misfortune in the sense that, you know, there's a giant flurry in front of the net that somehow they don't score on, um, you know, and other times too. I mean, I just thought that they were, they really finally got to their offensive game and a credit to them in the wake of what happened on Monday in game four. And you and I talked about it basically all day today, how difficult it was going to be to drag yourself off the mat and play a competitive hockey game. And they were more than competitive today. Um, That said, I mean, they went up against a team that might be the Stanley cup champion and might be the best team in the league and is a really, really, really good and fun team to watch and really exhibits all of the attributes of a Stanley cup winning hockey team that you want to have. Uh, so it was a tough matchup and they got swept last year. They won one game this year. So they've, uh, they've advanced. They've gotten better. <laughs> hey, three years from now, they're going to beat the Bruins. And I think Rod Brindamore was right in a lot of ways in the sense that they've closed the gap. A little bit. There are places, obviously, where they can get better, but um, they went up against a better team, a more formidable team, the team that deserved to win the series. But I'm, um, I'm, um, um, at least they didn't lay an egg today. Right, no. They, they were competitive. They definitely didn't lay an egg. I'm going to disagree with only one element of this. I really do throw away the third period. I thought mm-hmm. once Boston got up to one, Boston put forth zero effort offensively. They they played the entire third period simply to keep Carolina out of the middle, and they did that. Carolina got nothing in the middle of the ice uh, in the offensive zone, really, in the third period at all. Um, and they never were really threat. I got my, maybe a mild threat when they pulled the uh, when they pulled Mrazek. Yeah, uh, I frankly I was kind of surprised. I would have done it with four minutes left because they really had not generated much. I would have done it much earlier because they just weren't generating a lot of uh, a lot of danger. Carolina only had uh, the total in the in the third period when they were supposed to be pushing. They had only four high danger chances because uh, Boston kept them to the perimeter, uh, you yeah. know, from uh, in the entire third period. But with with all that said, I thought Carolina was way better than Boston in the first period, uh, and I think we talked about it in the first intermission. Probably should have been ahead uh, by more than a goal, uh, but maybe not. I mean, they they were they were up one nothing. Boston's stingy anyway. 
Um, and they didn't get anything out of their good play in the second period. And then, because Boston, ju- I mean, they got a couple of lucky breaks uh, in terms of a bounce. The uh, the the puck was it bounce off Pasternak and go right to Krejci, who knocked it in. Uh, and actually, it didn't even look like a shot as much as it kind of just caromed off his stick it in. Um, yeah. And then the Bergeron was a brilliant play made by a brilliant player, taking advantage of a goaltender who was in the locker room 3.8 seconds before he should have been. Man, you know, and, you know, a lot of the rhetoric surrounding that goal has been on Peter Morazic, and I don't really look at that like that at all. What I look at that as more is a super heady play by Patrice Bergeron knowing the clock is winding down on the period and really having no other viable option at the time. And he tried it and it worked. And sometimes when you try stuff, it works. And, you know, there's no reason Peter should have been expecting that, you know, and it's a crappy goal to give up. And I understand that. But to me, that's a smart player doing yeah, a really smart thing, and that's all I really chalk that yeah. up to. To me, both things can be true. There, I think Mrazek, if he's uh, if he's playing to the to the echo of the horn, if, if you he's will. tight on the post right. too, and he, yeah. if if that because he was he was casual about it because it didn't go, it didn't I, beat I th- him. Th- short I think time. he was in. I think he was anticipating a centering feed. I, th- I, I mean, I I agree that he was, uh, but you can still be tight to your post at that point. Uh, it's fine. Look, I'm not. I, to me, Peter Morazic was one of their best players today. I'm not going to fault. Agree. Because uh, I thought Morazic was dynamite. David Pasternak could have had a couple more goals. Uh, David yep. Krejci. I'm not sure if did Krejci miss the net on that wide open net or he did hit the Mrazik, post. Did, oh, did he hit the post? He hit the he hits he hit the crossbar. I'm not sure okay. if it went off Morazic's paddle paddle or not. But uh, hey, listen, I'll say this. If Pasternak plays the last two games, one of those two is going in. Oh, no question about it. No question about it. I think he out he he overthought the first one, uh, and then was the uh, was the second one a poke check or did Morazic get his skate on the shot? Because I actually is, think it was a poke check. No, Morazic got his uh, left pad on it. It was tremendous. I think. Unless we're talking about the same one, now I can't even remember. Yeah, it doesn't. They all run all of Peter Morazic's great saves. Uh, run together. Can we, but can we can we commend the goaltending throughout the postseason? Though I, I think you you and I have talked about this. Other than Game One against the Rangers, when Henrik Lundqvist was actually one of New York's best players, I thought Lundqvist was great in Game One, and Carolina won the game because Carolina was significantly better than the Rangers. Other than Game One, because Morazic was kind of bored. I mean, Carolina was so much better than New York, there really wasn't a lot of work for Peter. But so other than that, I thought Carolina had the better goaltending in every other game they played. So that's what seven other games. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, that's the way I looked at it. Uh, no, I would, I would agree with you. I mean, continue, my friend. I'm, I'm interested because I think that there's a very strong case to be made that Hurricanes goaltenders were better than opposing goaltenders yeah. throughout the postseason. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I the I mean, I don't I know what the numbers will look like because because uh, James Reimer got abused uh, in the third period of game uh, of game four of this series. I understand what those numbers are going to be, 
But James Reimer was one of the best goaltenders that we saw in the Toronto secure zone, and Peter Mrazek was right behind him. I mean, they were. Agreed. We we just cannot blame the goaltending. We know what Twitter does. Uh, Twitter's already uh, signing Braden Holtby, who. Uh, look, maybe Holtby was just not right this year, uh, but personally, I want no part of Braden Holtby. If, if well, I mean, this is going to be a story because there's two goaltenders under contract. Three. And, Al- and Alex Nedeljkovic. All right. Yeah, yes. three. Three. I mean, um, and Alex Nedeljkovic, who he signed it, he's got an NHL contract next year, no? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, basically a league minimum. He makes seven uh, seven seventy five, but yes. They have three goaltenders under NHL contract next year. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say they still might try to move one. Uh, and if I had to guess, I would think they would try to move James Reimer. Uh, but if they came back, look, I, I really didn't want to do a whole bunch of look ahead here, but if they come back with the same goaltending as they had this year, Reimer, Mrazek, with Nedeljkovic, as long as Nedeljkovic gets a chance to play, and that was the plan this year. When I talked to the team after last year, they thought that Nedeljkovic would get anywhere from 10 to 12 starts. Uh, and he would be the third option of their goaltending. But until the pause, until the, that night in Toronto, there were no injuries. So Mrazek and uh, Reimer were healthy all year. It wasn't like last year where Peter missed a month and uh, Curtis McElhinney missed a month. Uh, and you needed backup goaltending. And they still had Scott Darling. <laughs> still had Scott Darling. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, right? Uh, you know, so... Um, to to me, that was that was more of the uh, you know they, the the plan was to get Nadelkovic into the mix this this past year, but it didn't it never worked out. He made a couple of starts, and I think his last start was actually pretty good. So um, yeah, I th- he's gonna give, he's gonna be part of the mix next year, but who knows uh, how this is gonna work out? Uh, I, I do get back to the fact that last year it was a a, a special teams disaster. I mean, they could not stop Boston in the power play. And this year, while it was better, Boston, they didn't score a ton of goals in the series, but they scored five in the power play, and they scored one shorthanded. And, I mean, that's really where Carolina lost the series. And for the postseason, Carolina was 3 of 29 with the man advantage. Uh, This is a team that was top 10 in the league on the power play this year and they went three for 29 you can't be at basically 11 percent on the power play in the postseason and win you just can't uh and so there are things that they have to fix i think it's the makeup as much of it as anything i really think it's kind of the makeup of the team uh that you know they they have grit but they don't have grit in the areas where you need where grit equals goals uh and none of that grit plays on the power play except for Justin Williams. Uh, and I don't think we expect Justin Williams uh, to be back uh, next year. Here's, here's well, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Let me ask sure. you a question. Um, because do you like, I know the power play was top 10 this year in the league and the hurricanes were top 10 in both special teams categories. But do you remember the the power play being like something that you really, you know, to, to write home about that you really lauded about this Hurricanes team this year? Good point, because I would argue that they are probably a league average power play, not uh, not yeah. a top ten power play. Uh, but what I will say is that when they were good, 
They were really good. They that was a streaky power play. They're li- they're like the uh, the home run hitter that goes for a month and hits fifteen, and then goes for the next six weeks and hits two. Um, but right. to me, that's the way they built it. Um, so if they had been league average, you know, if they had been in the you know eighteen or nineteen percent range, twenty percent, uh, then you know it would have been five out of thirty. Six out of thirty. Six out of as I mean, just double the power play goals in the postseason. Uh, one of fifteen, make them three of fifteen, which is twenty percent, which is about twelve thirteenth in the league. Then it's a completely different story, I think, because of especially you know depending on when those goals come. Uh, but one for fifteen, and the fact that you got out, you got equaled. You know, Boston had a shorthanded goal. Carolina had one power play goal. You weren't even a plus on the power right. play. So I think, well, yes, I don't believe they were a top 10 power play. I, here, here's the thing. I do believe they were a top five NHL penalty kill. And, oh, yes. And no, that, no, no. That's a different. And that wasn't good enough. T- totally, totally different story. Yeah. Totally different story. No doubt about it. But, I mean, I mean, Boston's got a ridiculous power play, uh-huh. obviously. Sure. And they have ridiculous players. I mean, Man, I, I tell you, as, as I, and I know that probably Hurricanes fans don't want to hear it right now, but I come away as impressed again by Boston mm-hmm. as anything else in this series. I mean, I, when I look at them, I see it, the, the team that you want to be, honestly. Like, just the combination of speed and physicality yep. and peskiness and 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 defensemen and uh hitting and goal scoring and talent i mean it's just it, it really is just a, a, a really fun team to watch i mean they are uh, uh, 100% the other thing about boston uh is that their best players are great every night and I- all the time and, and hey you know Mark, you and i you and i were texting but right uh, about the lack of involvement for Marchand and Bergeron tonight, right before Marchand sets up Bergeron for a breakaway. Right. And this was Marchand's worst game of the series, and he still almost pulled out a point. And Bergeron turned around immediately after that as a factor on the power play, which ended up scoring. Right. Um and I mean, but and and that's what those guys do. Even on their off nights, they find a way to try to make a difference. At some point, Marchand didn't have a point tonight, but right. he could have. <laughs> oh, no, 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 there's there's no question. Here's the thing. I, I want to give I want to give some some credit. I do believe, and yes, Sebastian Ajo took the penalty on that Bergeron breakaway that ultimately led to a power play goal. Um, Aho Teravainen and Jordan Martinuk outplayed Bergeron, Marshawn, and Pasternak tonight. Even they had their chances. There's no way that that line is not going to get their chances. They're too good. Uh, they're all three going to the Hall of Fame. All three of those guys are going to the Hall of Fame, and they always play together. Uh, so, uh, but I want to give Aho Teravainen and Martinuk credit because they owned them for the. I mean, that was basically the only time at five on five. Where uh, where those guys forced mis- a mistake uh, from the Ajo Teravon and Martin Nook line, um, but ultimately um, 
pa- uh, Bergeron had a goal and an assist. Pasternak had two assists. Uh, and the best player in the series, David Krejci, had a goal and an assist. Krejci had eight points in five games. Uh, yeah. Marshawn had seven points. He didn't get a point today. He had seven points. Uh, Bergeron had five points, two goals, and three assists. I believe I got that right. Uh, Pasternak had two points in the two, in each in the two games he played. I mean, their best players flat out produced. Aho, yeah. Aho had four assists. Didn't score a goal. I don't. I didn't hate Aho's game. I thought Aho was a good player in this series. Um, but there weren't a lot of players from Carolina's best players who also played like best players. Doesn't help yeah. that you lose Svechnikov, but that was what game three, right? When you lose Svechnikov. Uh, so you don't have him for the last two games. He was really good in game two. I thought Svechnikov was uh, pr- the best player on the ice in game two, the game that Carolina won. Um, but we still don't have the best players being great every night. And that's the difference between Boston and Carolina is that Boston studs stud Every single game, and and you know, even a game where Marshawn Bergeron and Pasternak weren't elite, you know, they had four points combined, and that was the game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Trip alluded to the Hurricanes really getting beat down the middle, and they I did. think that's true. I think that's completely true. Um, yes, I mean, not only that, but like, listen, man, when you're if you're Sebastian Ajo, like at some point you, you got to be better than the best in the league. Yep. I mean, that's the test, right? I mean, the hurricanes, like you said, were better than the New York Rangers. Like in retrospect, that, that wasn't that hard of a series. No. And this was a completely different test. And it shows you that there is tons of room for Aho to get better and all the other big star Teravinen was not that visible no. in this series. He he was um, not he was not the best version of Tevo Teravinen. He did is, he did is, some good things, but he was not the best version of him. Is Svechnikov ultimately slated to be a center? No, he's a wing. Svechnikov okay. is a wing and and he is I'm he's not really in the Ovechkin mode. Uh, to me, because uh, Svechnikov has a defensive upside uh, that Ovechkin has... Ne- Did I even say that right? Svechnikov has a defensive upside that even Ovechkin isn't really interested in playing. Uh, the comparisons that I saw and that I read about with regards to Svechnikov and talked to people was more Marion Hossa. Um, but Svechnikov's going to be an elite player. I mean, he wants to be great. He's going to be yes. great. Um, and he, he plays a game that is of the mold of what I'm talking about with Marchand yeah. and Bercheron and all those no guys where he is, he is completely physically engaged most of the time. I think there is, there are games where he fades away when you don't think he's going to, like he's not as consistent as those, as those guys, but he will be. And yeah. he plays that type of game where it's, the combination of size, speed, power, skill. And he and eventually when he when he puts it together, he's gonna do it game in and game out and he's gonna be a dominant player. Yeah, I'm I'm I can't wait for the future. I mean this is this is year two, right? So right, he's right. 
There are players who maybe in their first year or second year are better than what Andrei Svechnikov is right now. But I think he's learning the game the right way. He is defensively responsible, and he's going to get better at that. Uh, but I do. I love the fact that he, he backs down from no one. He plays a physical game with a little bit of an edge. How many times did we talk about it last year? Forget about this year. Where, oh, it's going to happen. He's going to be in a fight. Because he plays that way. He almost forces you to challenge him to that because mm-hmm. he likes to play an agitating game. The problem that I have, not with, this is not with Svechnikov, is that he's the only one. You right. can't have one guy like that. So right. I, I want to save this part of the conversation for another podcast because I do want to look ahead to the make about the makeup of the team and what the roster should look like next year. Uh, but just to put a bow on that, they need more. You're not going to find talent like that. You're not going to find another two players who are as talented as Svechnikov who also play an agitating style. Um, but they need an element of that among their top six, and he's the only one in their top six who plays that way. I think that if if I were if I were going to you know criticize Aho. For anything, I would simply say that he needs to play a little bit. I mean, can he play a nastier game? Because he really he needs he needs he needs a little bit more force in his game. He's you're just not going to finesse your way around everybody. You know, Connor McDavid and some of these other guys can they're just bigger than him. Right, and right. At five eleven or six foot, I think he's five eleven, and he's, I'm not saying he's not strong. He's strong, but he needs a little bit more bite to his game. Otherwise, Agreed. he might not be, you know, uh, a a four, annual forty five goal guy. You know, ninety to a hundred point guy, uh, because there's maybe just a little bit too finesse, too much finesse in his game. He's I, he has to has to add a little bit of bite. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% in agreement with you. I mean, uh, the the thing about Ajo is he has all the skill. He's ha- I think he has the smarts. You know, remember a year ago, Adam, we were we were wondering whether or not he was a sustainable center. Right. I think he's proven that he is yeah. a sustainable center. Um, he's gotten way better there. He, you know, there were times when it was like, okay, we need to move him back over to the wing so we can get him scoring again, um, so we can get his confidence up. Yeah. But he wins faceoffs. You know he's gotten better in that aspect of it. He can he can he can control the game from that position. He's gotten way better defensively than he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's if there's one thing I think he needs to do is get more physical. And I will I would I've always said this about him. I mean the the fans don't get a chance to be around Sebastian Ajo up close. But he's a lot thicker than he looks. Yes. I mean, yes. he's, he's got a lot bigger of a lower half. And I've seen him stave off hits. I've seen him stave off checks in the corner uh, or, or at least just defend against them and take them better than a guy his size looks like they should be able to take it. So he has, you know, he's he's not tall, but he does have a certain thickness to him that is sometimes difficult to see through the pads. Um, you know, I, I know, I know, uh, 
maybe there's a, not a lot of uh, Duke fans in this audience. I'm not sure. But I remember seeing Grayson Allen play uh-huh. live for the first time. And <clears throat> Grayson Allen is a super athletic, thick, sturdy dude. Yeah. Right? And it's like you almost don't have an appreciation for that until you see it live. Sebastian Ajo is in, sort of in the same way for me in the sense that, like, he's not as slight as you think he is, although he's not Connor McDavid, but nobody's Connor McDavid. Right. Yeah, McDavid is that. Um, he happens to be 6'3", 220. Yeah, um. <laughs> I mean, it, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Sebastian Ajo up next to Jonathan Taves or someone like that. Right. You know, and Taves always was a pest. Yeah, and still is. And so there is that element. Maybe he needs to talk to Hayden Flurry about uh, <laughs> becoming learning how to become a little more of a pest. Because I don't know who your best player of the series was. I think you could make an argument for uh, for for both of the uh, the goaltenders. Yeah. But I'm I'm hard pressed to say it wasn't Hayden Flurry. Yeah, I don't. Hayden didn't play a ton tonight. This was a trust game, and Rod still I think has a little bit of a. I'm not sure I trust Hayden Flurry. Uh, Flurry played uh, 13 and a half minutes tonight. I was a little surprised uh, at the number, especially after he scored the goal in the first period. But I loved Hayden Flurry's game in the entire postseason. Uh, to me, this was an eye-opening postseason. Again, I want to save uh, those types of things for our next podcast. Um, but I came away very impressed with Hayden Fleury. I do want to, I do want to uh, talk very quickly about three players in the series, uh, and then we'll wrap it up, that kind of disappointed me. Um, and I don't know that I have ever said this, but I was a little disappointed by Justin Williams in the series, although I will say that games four and five, we certainly had much better Justin Williams than we had uh, in the three games against the Rangers and the first three games against Boston. Um Justin showed up in game four. He scored the first goal. I thought he was arguably their best forward in the first uh, period and a half, two periods maybe, Um, and he was good tonight. Uh, But ultimately, you know, it's the playoffs, and I realized that he's 38, and it was difficult probably for him to get started, Uh, but it took him a while. It shouldn't take – it's hard to to overlook the fact that it took him, what, eight games to get going. Yeah, I and you know I, I I keep going back with Justin to uh, <laughs> the this whole season. Like, how were we supposed to expect Justin to be dominant in this series when we heard the entire narrative about him, how long it took him to ramp up for the season when he came back, and he finally started to get his stride yep. towards the, the end when, before the season ended, what was it? He scored in five straight five, games or six, something like that. Six goals in five games. And he was among their best players in that stretch. Yeah. Uh, but, so, but what, but when he started, he, he got the game winning goal in overtime and the, the shootout game first came back. Right. Then he went away for two weeks. I remember talking to you and going, you know, who hasn't been good. Yeah. Justin. And two weeks later, He's the best hurricane, and then suddenly the season gets shut down. They're done for five months, and you have to ramp up quickly, and suddenly, you know, 
he's thrust back into essentially the same situation that he was in before and wasn't very good. Not to mention the fact that he had a little bit of an injury that kept him out, remember? Uh, he missed game game one of the series. Uh, he missed. Um, what did you think of Jacob Slavin in the postseason? Uh, I thought he was... I mean, the thing about Jacob is that his baseline performance is pretty good. Yeah. But he was not the same. Nope. He was not the same. Um, he... Remember, uh, remember the first goal of the series, I think it was, which was a face-off play in game right. one down in the offensive zone, and he was there but not there, and it was Marshan to, Ber- or to uh, Osternock right. on, the back, on the back side. Slavin's there marking. Um, I thought he was okay today. Maybe that's why Brenda Moore rolled with him a little more instead of flurry, but it was ultimately a subpar postseason for Jacob Slavin, yeah, I mean, which I mean, I, I don't like, I, I kind of wonder, and someone brought this up to me on Twitter. I kind of wonder about the bubble effect on Jacob Slavin. It's possible. He's very family guy. He's got a, yeah. a and, he and his wife adopted a daughter. Uh, right. So yeah, I I I totally could totally understand that, and frankly, I understand it for anybody. But these guys are all dialed. They you know they all they all talk the right game. They all talked about being yeah. Uh, well, being they, they they're gonna they're they're all gonna say it. Sure. They're all gonna say the right things. No one's gonna say they're not. And you know the thing is is that a lot of these guys are family guys. I mean, Jordan Stahl's a family guy. Yep. Justin Williams is a family guy. I mean, this is a room of truly good dudes. I mean, I I honestly say that, you know, I'm not blowing smoke for anybody. It's, and it, you know, and, and that's where sometimes I wonder how much of that stuff carries over to the ice because it really, it, I mean, none of these guys are ever, don't have time for you. Right. They never blow you off. They never are, are rude. I mean, I have had some horrible uh, questions <laughs> with some people that I have apologized for. I remember one in particular with Jordan Stahl where I literally looked at him afterwards and I said, dude, I'm so sorry. I could not, like, say words properly. <laughs> I remember and, that. He w- and he was like, dude, it's all good. And, like, that's just how they are. Yeah. They're all really good family dudes. So it's but I know that, that Jacob is, you know, very family oriented. He does have a, uh, he does have a newborn uh, baby. Um, yeah. He but, left, you know, he left the know. team in the playoffs last year for a night uh, when they were in Washington. He left uh, because he and his go, wife were, were adopting uh, and that they brought, they right. brought the baby home. Um, yeah. That, look, uh, he, Jacob Slavin has set a standard for himself. Uh, that he did not reach in the postseason. And with Dougie Hamilton, who missed the Rangers series, coming back uh, from what I believe was a groin injury, and you knew you weren't going to get peak Dougie, and they didn't. They didn't get peak Dougie Hamilton. We did not get the Dougie Hamilton we saw for the first three and a half, four months of the season. We knew, uh, and without Brett Pesci, they needed elite Jacob Slavin and didn't have it real quick about uh, nice guys. I actually asked Brett Pesci this question um, because I said, 
I, I think I said to him, and this is actually in one of the podcasts that people want to go back and, uh, you know, it's it's entitled Socially Distancing with Brett Pesci. He was already home in, uh, uh, in uh, I guess it was, where, where is he from? Tarrytown, New York. And I was I was asking him about look you and you and Slavin are the the same in this regard for me. I said, how can you guys be so good on defense without being jerks? All the great defensemen have a jerk tendency. You don't have a jerk tendency, and that's the truth about it. they're just incredibly nice guys. Um, but both I mean, how much different could this series have been? with Pesci and maybe even a healthy Joel Edmondson. Um, and uh, Sammy Votnin do it for you this uh, this postseason? No, yeah. not really. And I just want to say that for all of the hoopla surrounding Sammy Votnin before, just remember, hey, go back eight, nine podcasts. Yes. And listen, because it ain't that easy. And, you know, same for Dougie. You know, and I like Dougie. Dougie's really good player, but it goes to show you, man, that you can't just step in right. and be good all the time. And you get that false sense of security with a guy like Dougie who scores a big goal in the series against his old team, and we all go rah rah rah, and that's really cool. And I'm glad for Dougie, but man, it's not that easy. It just isn't. I mean, even you know, and I. There are other guys that we looked at and we talked about Brady Shea and we talked about Vincent Trocek. You know, I thought there were moments for Trocek. He was in and out. I thought Brady Shea was pretty good for the most part, which actually surprised me more than anything. Um, he had a good but listen, But listen, man, I mean, you don't just jump in and start. I mean, especially for Votnin, man. He didn't, he didn't even suit up. Before the right. playoffs. I mean, you're asking a guy to come in off an injury who has never thrown a hurricane sweater on before. And people were all jacked up about it. And it just wasn't that great. It really wasn't. And listen, it's not really worth talking a whole lot about because he ain't going to be here next year anyway. Right. Um, and, you know, I, you know, the thing about Dougie, too, is I keep going back again. Same thing with Justin. What would this Hurricanes team have been had there not been – had Dougie not gotten injured and there not been a stoppage in play? Yeah, and the pandemic and I know that stayed in China. And I know that there's <laughs> – yes, exactly. And I know that those are completely unanswerable questions, but – Dougie was on a roll that, you know, was probably going to put him in a uh, in a Norris Trophy conversation. He was already in a Norris Trophy conversation, yeah. but was probably going to put him in one for the long haul. When Justin Williams got going, he was going, and it could have turned out a completely – then Brett Pesci gets hurt. I mean – so many things that are unanswerable and they're part of the season. You have to overcome them. And I get all that, but it, it, it feels like a season where it just got derailed in a lot of ways. Uh, so that, and that's why, and, that, and that's also why I'm praiseworthy of Hayden flurry, because I think Hayden flurry has played himself into a full-time role I agree. on the team. I, agree. I mean, 
you're not going to see Edmondson here. You're not going to see Trevor Van Riemsdyk here. You're not going to see Sammy Votten in here. So Hayden Fleury basically solidified his place on this team right now, and that's cool. But, man, I I just – I go back and I I wonder, you know, what what does this team look like if they don't have to stop? Yeah, I mean, look, there are a a lot of things could have been – I mean – uh, you could have had a completely different Justin Williams when you hit the playoffs because of, of the way he had mm-hmm. been playing. Uh, and we all go back to last year where there was a stretch of uh, hockey in uh, Feb- January, February, early March where Justin Williams at age 37 was actually their best player. Um, and, you know, we got to that point in right before the pause uh, and it was just hard. And again, I want to I want to make everybody aware that yes, there was an injury that he suffered in practice uh, that might have limited him uh, because again, he did not play against Boston in the uh, in the first game of the series. But he played against the Rangers, and all he did was th- you know throw hands with Ryan Strom. That was his contribution to that series. Which I mean, I think it had a uh, it had you know had something to do with the way the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, played at least in game one. All right, so we'll get to all of the uh, the futuristic things when we do this again uh, next time, but uh, you need some rest. You've worked too hard. Well, I mean, Adam, this is just <laughs> this is just uh, par for the course. Uh, par you know? for the Lindholm. Par for the Lindholm, exactly. And hey, man, listen, I uh, it was an early game. Thank. Hey, by the way, special shout out, right, uh, to Braden Point for scoring early in the overtime. <laughs> for scoring early in the overtime, he pushed a four ten puck drop back to four twenty, and uh, we we were able to keep. And by the way, it was a really fast game. It was a. There were some pretty slow. It were, I mean, there were some pretty good flow to the game. Yeah. Referees, by the way, I thought were pretty good. I know Canes fans are going to get upset about the hooking on Aho that wasn't called. Right. That uh, and then right after that, Martin Hook boards Andre Kasha, which leads to a power play and eventually a goal. But uh, you know, the refs, I thought, kept the flow of the game going pretty good, and therefore it was a fairly fast game. Um, so I'm appreciative of that. And I got home at a reasonable hour. I've already shaved my beard, Adam. I came yeah. home. <laughs> Wait, you shaved that tonight? Yeah, I came home and shaved it immediately. Wow. You, you're going to look my, like you're 11 years old. <laughs> Good. I'm glad about that because <laughs> I'm 36 and I'm about to have a kid. So when Jeez. my kid is, uh, you know, eighteen, I'll look fairly young. Hopefully, by that logic. Yeah, uh, but uh, my son said, to, Jack said to me uh, yesterday. He said, you, "Dad, you should grow a beard." Uh, and uh, Aileen looked at Jack and looked at me, and she said, "No, he shouldn't." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got rid of it, man. I was home in time to do that. I made. I've made myself now two Manhattans, Very maybe nice. a third after I get off the phone with you, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, and then me and you will try to do it all again tomorrow. But hey, I just want to say, like, I appreciate you know all of the uh, the interactions and the the Canes fans who uh, who dive into this podcast yeah. um, more than any other podcast on our podcast network. I think it's certainly um, up there. I know that. I mean, I know so, that people really like it, and 
Uh, we have yeah. I have a couple of more things I want to do before we uh, before we kind of yeah. uh, kind of put it to bed a little bit for but, a couple of months. Yeah. But but I mean I appreciate them, and you know like I appreciate like uh, all the people who rock with us and ride with us. Um, you know, I, I know that I am, uh, I'm not everyone's cup of tea all the time. And I know I'm not, you know, trying to, uh, you know, I'm not blowing smoke and people get upset about that, but Mr. you know, I'm just trying to have, I'm just trying to have honest conversations with people. And I'm also trying to not spew all the normal things you hear from the people that spew things on a regular basis. Um, and so the people that, you know, check in and listen, and keep checking in and listening. I appreciate him for that. When so. uh, I ag- I agree with all that. When Marshawn scored in Game Four to make it three two, and I I tweeted out ball game. Somebody responded immediately. Gold, you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and I responded to them. I'm like, come on, I'm not the worst. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a part, there's a part of me that's like you know I love that like I'm. I'm here for like, I love to make fun of the media. Right. Right. And like, I'm good with that. Um, and you know, like, I think people need to understand, like we not, we don't take this that seriously. Like we love to have the conversations and we love to like, you know, be idiots about stuff and like, you know, you know, (laughs) be fired up. But like in the end, like it's all fun and games. It's just sports. It's just hockey. Like we we try to have a good time with it, and I hope people can understand that. Uh, I hope so too. I think they do. Uh, by the way, I don't I, I don't know what the uh, the total numbers are. I can figure it out uh, in terms of how many people uh, you know downloaded each episode. Uh, but one of our most popular episodes since the playoffs began was the night there was no game. <laughs> 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 the morning after nothing happened. That was the title of it. The morning after awesome. nothing uh, on August. I told 11th. you. Yeah, I told you, dude. I texted you. That I was said, your I idea. Think we should, I think we should morning pod. I really do. I think we should pod about nothing. Essentially, it was it was the Seinfeldian podcast of the morning after pod. I, how did we go thirty minutes on that? There was no game. <laughs> Adam, every time you call me, you say, let's do this in I 10 know. minutes. We never and do. we don't ever do that. No. I, I I think we did it in 17. I think that's the, the shortest uh, <laughs> segment I've done with you is 17. Uh, everything else. This one I intended just to do 20. I don't even want to tell you what the counter is right uh, now. I'm, I'm looking at my phone right now, and it's 4706789. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's it, I, I didn't hit record right away, so uh, yeah, it's, it, it's. I don't know who do who do we blame for that? Is it me? Do no, I no, do no, I spend no, too no, much time? No, no, no okay. it's just a, it's a conversation about the hurricanes. I think that's okay. why people like it. Uh, and here's the, here's the other thing. I, I and I because I, I do think and I've had this conversation uh, with I will just say uh, people around the team. Okay, I think that the fact that we are not cheerleaders lends a lot of credibility to the stuff that we talk about because it's neither of us have pom-poms yeah look i'm close i'm relatively yeah i mean i'm you know right we don't have uh we don't have lattes together uh i'm i i could i talk to rod a lot Um, right and there are some players on the team that i have relationships with um one of which i criticized a few minutes ago um so it, but I'm not a cheerleader, and I've never been a yeah. cheerleader. 
Uh, and I'm, 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 I am not here to criticize anything, but uh, at, at the end of the day, we will miss the fact that John Forslund is not the play-by-play voice of this team anymore. And my, I think, by the way, I will say this because uh, I do believe it's true. I think Mike Maniscalco got better every single game. And, Agree. And, and I think he proved himself worthy of doing the job uh, as long as we don't try to compare him to the guy who had it last because the guy who had it last is the best in the sport. And there is, I will never not believe that. Uh, But Mike did a good enough job where I'll be surprised if he's not the voice of the team going forward. I mean, nothing was promised of him or to him, but I do believe he will be the guy going forward. I 100% agree with you. I, I, first of all, I want to say that um, I never sit down at a microphone or with my airpods in on this podcast and think to myself how can i make this more negative or more more positive than it needs to be and i don't think you do that either i think we try to take an honest look at everything and be as honest as we can and look everything in the face and i think that's what you should do i don't think there's any reason to not just own up to the things that are happening and i don't understand why that doesn't happen elsewhere. And to Mike's, to your point on Mike, I honestly and truly believe this. Mike was calling play-by-play hockey is a super hard job. It is a super hard job to do. And Mike did, I think, a great job get given the circumstances and he's only going to get better. I mean, that's a job that you only get better at with reps, just as anything in broadcasting is that way. I mean, you have to do it over and over and over again, learn the rhythm of it. You have to learn where you can take breaths. You have to learn how to get through the parts where you can't figure out what to say, (laughs) you know, all those things. I mean, you have to figure those things out, you know, and, he got did get better every game and he's I mean being put in that spot is a super tough position I don't think people understand how tough of a job that is he and he got put in it last year and that probably served him well for this year and I 100% agree with you that listen Mike I think did a tremendous job doing play-by-play for the Hurricanes. And I I think that there is no reason why he wouldn't get it. And I think he should get it, honestly. And Mike's a hard worker. I mean, you know as well as I do. Mike's a workhorse. I mean, he works as hard as anybody, sometimes to his detriment, to be honest with you. He's the big rig. Um, He is. (laughs) So, I mean, I honestly hope he does. And I full compliments to him, and I thank him so much for also being a part of the uh, storm watch every night. So that was awesome. All right. We have, uh, we are hitting the 50 minute mark, you and I. So uh, that's it. Go have a third Manhattan. Uh, I'm going to have a Jersey city and uh, I made up a drink. I'm not having another drink. I had a beer earlier. That's about, uh, that's about it for me. I'm averaging my (laughs) one beer a day. What's in a Jersey city? I'm curious. There's nothing in a Jersey city. No, I, I know, but I feel like that's something we need to come up with. I feel like it's uh, tears and lies and no, no, no it's, just, uh, it's it's Manhattan. It's just on the other side of the river. Okay, I, I, I should okay. have called it a Hoboken. A so, Hoboken so would be better. 
So basically you need to use like, uh, you need to use like well bourbon and, uh, and, 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 and like, uh, some, Hoboken's happening, man. Hoboken's a happening place now in in, uh, in Jersey. It's right across. It's right where, like, if you go, if you take the Lincoln Tunnel from Manhattan into New Jersey, you get, you get well, I mean, it's Weehawken, but Hoboken's the next town. Uh, Hoboken is where Frank Sinatra was uh, was born. Mm. There you go. You know, I'm a distant, you know I'm a distant relative. Of what, Sinatra? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. How how has this not come up before? I don't know my uh, my grandfather's. Um, Can you sing? My grand... No, hell no, I can't sing. My grandfather's uh, like one of his relatives is a Sinatra. Like we used to go to the Sinatra family reunion. Everyone's name is Anthony. Everyone's name is Anthony at the Sinatra family reunion. <laughs> like I can't remember anyone's name because it's either Anthony or Tony. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! See, I'm not. We're not even allowed because of uh, because of rights. I can't even like pipe in a little Sinatra uh, here during the podcast. We're literally not allowed to do that. All right, get out of here, uh, old blue eyes, and uh, <laughs> I'll see. I'll see you later. Thanks for hanging out. All right, man. Follow Appreciate you later. Follow him on Twitter at Alec Campbell Five. Uh, he always joins us in the morning after podcast. Thanks, man. All right, man. Later. Bye. I feel like I should sing something. That got weird. The last eight or nine minutes got crazy. Um, that's it. That's the final morning after podcast of the season. This was the 10th one. So we had uh, nine games plus a non-game. So this was the 10th morning after podcast. Uh, we had uh, four wins uh, and a no decision. Uh, so we had that. Uh, it's all brought to us by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina for everything for your exterior home improvement needs. It's the aluminumcompany.com. Roofing, decking, siding, windows, entry doors, storm doors, all of it. I mean, they've got it at the Aluminum Company. Go see Sammy Hanna. He's a great dude, and they'll take good care of you. Best customer service in the industry. I promise you that. Uh, all right. It was fun. It wasn't a great ending. We didn't want it to end this quickly, uh, but we had a good time while it lasted. Uh, we're not done with the Canes Corner podcast. We'll have a couple of wrap-up uh, podcasts. We'll wrap up the season. We'll wrap up the uh, – we'll take look ahead to the roster. Uh, then maybe we'll talk a little draft down the road. Uh, I am Adam Gold. I thank you very much for hanging out on the Morning After podcast. Canes lose to the Boston Bruins 2-1. Series ends in five games. Boston taking the series 4-1. I hope the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. I really do. It's a fun team to watch. They are worth your time. Uh, so we'll see you next time on the Canes Corner Podcast. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. At WakeMed MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about. Every day of the year, primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care 
to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org.